G'day and welcome to the Green and Gold Rugby Show, the show that gets you over the gain line. Uh, tonight, it's uh, like... No, over the gain line on all the hot topics of Australian rugby. Oh, cool. You've got to get a tag on tonight. You've got to start, start strong. You know, this is like the Wallabies. Hey, we're, boys. In our, we're in our 22 now. You've just thrown a dud pass and we're on our own line. Okay, that's all right. We've got a clearing kick to come. Hey, JB. Yeah, sorry, I'm a bit confused. You said Green and Gold Rugby Show. I, I thought this was the Matt Rowley Show. <laughs> well, I've been trying to let go of the reins, but um, yeah, see, the problem was Reg was getting in the way, um, but now we've got <laughs> him out of the way. I'm slowly narrowing it down to the uh, Matt Rowley hour. Um, I've just got, oh. unfortunately, I've got you two guys barging in uh, this week. But look, talking about you two guys, let me introduce. Um, Hugh, you here here for, with me to have a bit of a fireside chat. How are you going, mate? Yeah, well, we, we can just piece through the ruins or the almost ruins of Australian rugby. But <laughs> I think it, let's 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 leave that to later. I mean, how good was that Lions game? But both the, the the one that we just saw against the the Hurricanes, but the one on the weekend. I mean, that was just rugby at its finest, wasn't it? It was indeed, and. Um, it, Put a bit of a shiver down my spine to think about. My God, could you imagine the Wallabies playing against either of those teams? It would have been a bloodbath. But to talk <laughs> us through uh, last weekend and look forward to next when it comes to all things Lions, it's um, JB from the Rugby Dungeon and the and the Egg Chasers, mate. How are you? I'm very well, thanks, mate. How, how are you, boys? Ah, oh, we're, we're middling along, um, I'd say. <laughs> uh, but we'll have a good old bitch and moan later on, mate. Um, first of all, let's talk about. Last weekend, the Lions, the All Blacks, it was momentous. Everyone was looking forward to it. Did it live up to the hype, JB? Were you were you pleased with the event, at least? Oh, I tell you what, I think you nailed it. It was one of, it was one of the great rugby occasions, in my opinion. Hmm. Um, this All Blacks team are awesome, and I'm sure we can get, get, in, get into that now. Uh, but I'll just say this. The reason that they are so awesome is because I actually thought the Lions were pretty good. Yeah. Uh, and they got taken to pieces. I mean, what more can you say? Yeah, no, it was indeed. And actually, so, so for those uh, trying to listen into this ramble fest that I'm presiding over, look, we are going to have our five burning questions. Number one I'm about to put to JB in a second is going to be, how good was that all-black performance? Number two will be, what do the Lions need to do to bounce back? Then we'll get into number three, which will be, did the Wallabies deserve to beat Italy um, after all? Number four, how do you grade the June series? And number five, is there any reason to care about the remaining rounds of Super Rugby? I'm not sure JB did care in the first place. But let's get back to that amazing match uh, that happened last weekend. So just how good was that All Blacks performance, JB? Uh, Well... I'll tell you this, the game panned out almost exactly as I thought. The only difference was the team doing the uh, dishing out of the things that I said they would do with the All Blacks. <laughs> they kicked more, they ran off nine. I mean, when was the last time you've ever seen the All Blacks run off nine? They ran off nine, so like 63 times. Well, running off nine is kind of a northern hemisphere. It's this derogatory term that people use for rubbish rugby up here. Mm. But they just reinvented it. Yeah, they did. I think um, Hansen said that the, you know they showed that they could play down and dirty if they needed to. And there's been plenty of chat about that going on the uh, Twitter sphere. I noticed over the last day or so. Did you see the stuff about Kano deliberately aiming at uh, oh, what's the halfback's name again? The Irish halfback, uh, Murray, Colin Murray. Murray's leg. Yeah. Did you yeah, catch, and, catch that? <laughs> and I'll tell you what happened. Right, is Kano aimed at Colin Murray's leg, and I bet right after the game. Um, Warren Gatland would have noticed that it really upset Murray and passed little notes to Howley and said, save that for the Six Nations. So don't listen to all this nonsense about how upset he is about Conor Murray's leg because I guarantee that Wales will be doing it come, uh, come the spring. <laughs> but so you, you, you're telling... So you look, back to the match though. So 
Yeah, so you know, talk us through it, mate. So how did the All Blacks... You said, like, obviously, they kept it as a tighter match, which you were kind of surprised by. Um, were you yeah. surprised with that sort of rugby managed to get over the lines? Because I thought, by the way, I thought the Lions, especially in the forwards, I mean, it was it was pretty heroic stuff. It was pretty fearless. Yeah, it was. It, it felt to me as if they'd designed a whole new strategy, because I'd never seen the All Blacks play in this way before. Mm-hmm. And the idea was to make sure that the Lions couldn't win the game lane battle by using their line speed in defence. So, from just a, you know, that, that purely ta- tactical point of view, it was genius, because they kept on coming, they kept on coming, they went through so many phases. And because the All Blacks were, were winning that game lane battle, which I talk about so much, yeah. the Lions just couldn't actually... Meet, meet them, meet, meet them off the game line, and then there's the there's, then 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 there was the intricacies. So the little passes, the little offloads. They're doing everything in these little groups, you know, these little pods, pods of three. Mm. And you've just got to take your hat off to not maybe Steve Hansen, but maybe all the people that he's gathered around him to come up with these strategies. It was absolutely brilliant. I tell you what, really impressed me was the discipline it carried on over and over again. And if you've got playmakers. When you're outside, you know, on the outside of someone like Aaron Smith, who was brilliant, by the way, mm. uh, someone like Bod- Bowden Barrett, why wouldn't you give it to Bowden Barrett or later Aaron Cruden or all of these guys? But they were just disciplined and they did everything. They did everything exactly according to plan. And you can't really, can't really ask for any more than that. I tell you, the more worrying thing is, what if the Lions spend all week planning to combat that strategy? And then they play something completely different. And you just don't know what they're going to do. Yeah, no, it, it's a bit worrying because, yeah, back in the day, uh, well, just recently, it felt a little bit like they had one way of playing. Um, and, you know, a lot of their super teams are playing in a very similar way. But with a performance like that, you kind of, it goes, oh, bugger. You know, it's like they're, with when they had Carter, Dan Carter could always just shut up shop and decide to drill corners or do whatever, you know, slow a game down and do whatever else and, and change up the way they played. I think that was one of the most valuable things about him. And it looks, in, for maybe a chink of light was maybe they only play one way in this team, but it's not looking so much that way. Um, Hugh, mate, what was your take on, I mean, how good was that all-black performance? Look, it, it was a good performance, but I, I'm kind of, as much as I, I hate to agree with him in any in any format, um, I'm kind of with Warren Gatlin a little bit. It, it wasn't sh- it wasn't champagne, mm. you know. Weirdly enough, for for them to beat the Alliance by I think 15 points in the end, I mean it it wasn't brilliant. Um, and actually, if you look at the second half and the start of that second half, when the Lions had a good period of possession um, in the All Blacks 22. And the score being thirteen eight, um, you know, if the if the Lions get get uh, across the chalk there, or even uh, kick a penalty or two and start to build pressure and actually put the All Blacks behind on the scoreboard, then that game might have turned out quite differently. I mean, as it happened, I mean, um, you know, it turned out exactly as I tipped it on the podcast last week, which for our listeners is probably not surprising to them. But you know, it, it's um. Uh, the All Blacks just have those two chances in that second half, but then the game's away from you. You know they have yeah. a, um, a a good scrum, and, and all of a sudden they're in at the corner, and then Rico Yuani passes on a, a spilled kick, and 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 that's the game. And and that's that's what you know playing the All Blacks is all about, where you think you've got them where you want them, and you might have them you know for fifty or sixty minutes um, in in a really tight tussle, and then you look up at the scoreboard, and all of a sudden you're down by. Th- 25 points, yeah. you know, uh, which which is what was the case for the Lions. And, and in the end, you know, I feel like they were they were only a, a yard or two behind what the All Blacks were, um, but they they were they were pretty thoroughly shown up on the scoreboard. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm, there's probably people who are going to pull yep. out the history here, but I kind of feel like um, with these All Blacks, if you don't get out ahead of them and put the pressure of the scoreboard on them, you're kind of stuffed. As soon as they break away a little bit, then everything just kind of blows open. Um, I must admit, I was absolutely blown away by the pace of the game. It was just breathtaking from both sides, but then that instantly worried me because I wasn't sure how the Lions were going to be able to keep up with that pace, and that, for me, is probably the key to question two. But um, before we get there, maybe just talk about a few standouts from both sides, JB. Um, Who did you think um, stood up on the occasion from both sides? Well, I know everyone has been talking about those all-black second rows, who, again, were just um, imperious around the park. But, you know, ultimately, 
the guys that scored the tries, Cody Taylor, I mean, what, what is he on? He wasn't quite on debut, I don't think, but he's not exactly experienced. And then Rico, uh, Rico Ioni, who I can never say his name, uh, scored, scored, scored the last one. I mean, it's just, it's just brilliant. So, although I'd like to, you know, wax lyrical about the experience of the, um, of the front five, to me, it was the debut guys. I thought, um, I thought they were absolutely brilliant. Yeah, that that pace that Ioani showed um, for that try was just unbelievable. You just oh, he's dynamite. It just suddenly he, went into because a the guys, game. yeah, because the guys I would say were really good for the Lions would be the outside backs. Elliot Daly is probably one of the fastest people in in all of the UK. Mm. Uh, I thought that both the centres, Ben Teo and Jonathan Davis, were really good, and uh, yeah, so it kind of went the opposite way to how everyone expected, which is. The Lions forwards doing all right, and then the New Zealand backs cutting loose. Actually, it's kind of the other way around, which is the New Zealand forwards really d- doing a number on the Lions forwards, but yet our outside backs, they, they, you know, they, they really stood out. So, yeah, outside backs and the debutants for the All Blacks. Um, how good was that Lions try, though? The one that Sean O'Brien finished off. That was just absolutely vintage, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd like to ask you boys about this, because I think that might be... If not the, you know, I, I think that's probably in the top five best tries of all time. If you consider the pressure and the event mm. and how it was scored and the distance and the range, when you load all these things up, it's got to be there, isn't it? Right, top yeah. top three, top five. Yeah, and considering just how bow legged Reese Williams is, um, isn't he an amazing player though? Yeah, to be able to do that, or maybe that's the key. That's how you step around people is by having legs that are that bandy that someone can fit, kind of in, on the inside of your knee. Something like is that what it is? Well, do you not? Do you think it might just be one of those things where a player is so unorthodox mm. that you just don't know how to play him? Like, yeah. it, and it yeah. happens yeah. in every sport. Like, occasionally you just get a guy who no one's really seen. I mean, he hasn't ended up with bow, with those bow legs through doing loads of squats. Yeah. He just is like he is. Yeah. And I just wonder if you just don't see anyone like him, and therefore, how can he really prepare? Yeah, well, exactly. You know, you're used to tackling for the knee, and the knee's just like it's not there. It's like they're not there. It's a foot (laughs) to the left or foot to the right. But I mean, yeah, that was. I mean, what guts for him just to look up and say, "Look, I'll give this a go." Um, The best thing, you know, what actually made that such a great try is the kind of the body language that Kieran Reid does when he misses him at the very beginning. You know, when uh, yes, yes, yeah, Reid does that little face. He goes, "Oh." Yeah. Um, he knows he, he really out. comes in for the smash too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and completely missed uh, it. it it was such a good try too. I, I think those are the best tries too where you know, I love a good try with a bit of razzle dazzle and, and long cutouts and passes under the legs and flick passes, but actually the best tries are those ones where it proves that in many ways it's it's rugby's a simple game, you know. There's a lot of mm. it's it's literally just finding a free man and and, and running into space and then finding another free man and going from there. Mm. I mean, in the, bringing it back to the players, though, Matt, I mean, I, I mean JB touched on it, but Aaron Smith, I thought, was absolutely sensational. And, and, you know, not to dwell on it too much, but the differences between the situation in Australia um, with the halfback, it shows you what a halfback can do in the way that he directs the play, you know, uh, around the ruck and, and wider too with his vision and setting up that first try to Cody Taylor. But then, you know, the way that he'll, um, you know, his option taking is just superb and he'll take two steps forward and and, and, and fix the defence and throw a pass to, to the right man or or just keep the keep the Lions guessing and the Lions... He was the key man to all of that. Attacking narrow and then going wide and then narrow again. I mean, just the way that he orchestrated that attack, you know, meant that... Uh, you know, the Bowden Barrett didn't actually have a whole lot to do in terms of the playmaking, and 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 actually most of it was was orchestrated by by Aaron Smith, which I thought was was just fantastic. I, do you know what? I couldn't agree more. Um, I think uh, I think you hit the nail on the head there. And I was just wondering, actually, I'd like to know your point of view on this. Do you think that he is so good, not only because of his natural talent, which is undoubted, but because he's in such a settled rugby nation, such a settled system? Because I think about you know your um, your scrum halves. Uh, I think for someone I don't know, like Genya, he's constantly moving around. He's not particularly, particularly settled, and I wonder, I wonder if that just rubs off on the way that they play their international rugby. Well, mate, like you go oh. back to the, you know, to, to Ben Darwin, who you've had on the dungeon. Yeah, we've had on the our, Darwin yeah. theory, the Darwin know, theory of rugby evolution. Yeah, you can be, like, you know, from Genny's perspective, where you know, he's been playing all these rugby on the other side of the world, and then comes down 
to play with somebody he never has a you know a combination with. Um, you know, and we know how important for him previously the combination with Cooper was. Um, so mm. you know, I think it's a perfect example. And then you see like even Nick Phipps, right? Even if he was fit, he hasn't been the number one. Uh, you know, not the solid number one for the Tars even. Uh, for the Waratahs this mm. season. So, you know, and then you've got Powell, who you then throw in, who's barely played any international rugby and doesn't play with anybody who, you know, there's no link that he's got there as well. Um, so, look, yeah, um, it, it, or at least hasn't been in the national setup like Smith's been there. Um, so, because, look, I'm actually showing how crap my knowledge, but, because, yes, um, Smith and Barrett play together, don't they? No, they don't. They, they don't they play the provincial stuff That's together. Right. But, like, they do... Um, they do have a lot of time, time with the All Blacks, so, you know, take your pick. Yeah. Well, I mean, they've kind of built up that combination, I guess, a little bit now. But, um, yeah, look, I mean, our bigger problem is, I think, yeah, just the lack of quality because, um, you know, if it's if it's, if it's it's not Smith, then you've got Perinara, right? So, um, yeah, he was yeah, bad. Yeah, um, who, yeah, he's got definitely got a mouth on him. But, uh, yeah, look, amazing performance, but, look, thinking about this weekend then, um, what's different? So what do the Lions do, JB? Oh, right, okay. So thought long and hard about this. I originally thought they don't change change the team. Like, they've kind of... They, they did have some success. And the success I'd be talking about is the fact that two of the All Blacks tries came from basically good fortune. So the Uwani try and the um, Cody Taylor try. But then I thought about it a bit some more, which was, was it good fortune or was it because the Lions were knackered? Was it because the speed of the game, and you know, the Lions were looking for excuses, particularly with the, um, particularly with that uh, try, off, try off the scrum with the Kieran Reid pickup. So they need effectively, and, and it's crucial, they need to slow down the game. Now their pack was good. But, of course, he didn't have Sam Warburton in. Now, I don't think Sam Warburton's going to change the game completely. But, actually, he can slow down mm. a breakdown. So can someone like Atoji. And I was going to suggest that maybe someone like Marla come into the mix. That's not going to happen now, because Marla played 75 minutes t- today against against the Hurricanes. Mm. I do think that Atoji coming in would help. And I do think that Warburton coming in would help. Because... If you can slow down that breakdown, mm. well, then Lions can reorganise, and then they can they, they can get off the line and win that all that, that all important game line battle. So I think that's important. There's been a lot of talk over here as well about moving Farrell out to twelve mm. and starting with Sexton, but I don't buy that at all. I actually thought that we took it to them in the midfield because they, because they were more physical. Mm. And again, I, I don't think Sonny Bill Williams deals with big centres particularly well. Mm. Uh, Terry's Terry's a big centre I saw Sonny Bill struggle a little bit against Roberts up in Cardiff so um, because uh, I'm not saying for a second that Sonny Bill is a bit of a flat track bully because he's clearly much more than that Mm. but I think a bigger body guy does manage to keep him a little bit more quiet Mm. so uh, yeah that's that's my changes basically Itoji in and also uh, Warburton in for Paul uh, Paul O'Connell, Peter O'Mahony. Yeah, look. So you're basically saying take it to another level of peak Teo. Is is hundred percent, hundred percent, hundred percent Teo. Have they finished construction? Uh, have they finished finished con- constructing the massive peak Teo horn in New Zealand yet? <laughs> I believe that's what they would do as a as a, a memorial after this game, um, or after the series. If let's say he played three three matches, that, mm. that would surely be the, the peak of Teo. Um, that we've had so well, far. The winning try ne- next week will do. And do you know what? I think, I don't think they will do it, but I think that they could do it. The The biggest danger for the Lions is spending all week preparing for the game last week and and the Kiwis doing something completely different. So, you know, I don't know. I, I simply don't know. It's going to be... It's just so, so bloody difficult. Mm. Look, I, I think um, the, the bit that you touched on there, though, which is about Sexton... To ten is just that if there's any person, mm. if there's anyone in, if there's any ten in Europe, I think who can control the game with his boot, um, and you know you hope for a wet and windy night in Wellington, uh, you scrabble on the ground with the guys that you talked about. I thought that was the right sort of direction to go in, and um, yeah. and, and then you get Sexton just drilling it to corners because I just thought there was too much of you guys 
kind of trying to play out of your half. I thought the the Murray box kicking, you know, that that worked pretty well, but it was just it was too much of it was sort of around the halfway line. You wanted to kind of move it down a little bit, and I just felt, mm-hmm. you know, Sexton just drilling it into those corners, seeing if you can get a bit of pressure on their line out. I mean, it's not as uh, I don't think it's as weak as it used to be, unfortunately, but uh, I can't. Put it the other way around. I just can't see you, the Lions, but I can't see anyone living with their pace um, for for eighty minutes. It's just I, I don't know who, who you know how anyone sustains that. To be honest, and when I say pace, but it, it, it's not just running around stuff. It's not just headless chicken stuff. It's you know it's their power in the pack um, as well as their pace outright. And it's their variety too. Mm. I mean, you don't know what happen next. I mean, even even the pops off, offline. Yeah, sure, they're carrying over the game line, then occasionally there'll be, you know, a little offload, you know, a little pass between two support players, and they just, you know, they can play in basically any way. I mean, the only thing I, I could really think of is slowing down their rucks and not giving them the ball, but, I mean, that doesn't tell you anything. I mean, that would be be any team. Uh, easy isn't necessarily simple, or should I say simple isn't necessarily easy. So I, I don't have any clear ideas, but that's why I'm not the world's best rugby coach, uh, sorry, Best paid rugby coach, unlike Warren Gatland. <laughs> Hugh, mate, have you got any tips? Can you think? I mean, sure, you know, apart from obviously putting in the hask. Oh, of course. I mean, that's that's, that's the logical. <laughs> I mean, is to is to bring in Haskell and Dylan Hartley and and <laughs> uh, basically most of the English players. Well, look, um, we, we no. joke, but the hask did a number on us last year. Although, you know, that's not that that's that difficult. I tell you what, I've not I've not seen Haskell's tackle count for this last game but he's always up there like yeah as, as in a busy worker and I, I you know people will laugh at me because I always defend Haskell but actually you know if you want someone to work really hard and never switch off in defense he's not a bad option I mean, I'm, not, I'm, not for a, I'm not for a second suggesting that you pick him just saying you know he does work incredibly hard and his tackle count is always through the roof yeah well no, look, and, and, and like uh, last year he was a real pest on the ground as well I remember him coming out here and yeah and, and giving us a you know a good going over on the ground um, but um, so Hugh what do you reckon mate what's what's the what's well, the line I, I what don't do think do? the lines well yeah look I don't have I don't think the lines have to do a huge amount actually and and it's funny you know again coming back to the Darwin um, I, we've got to work out if we, is, it, is it Darwin's theory is it Dar- the Darwin coefficient um, you know uh, <laughs> Darwin's law <laughs> exactly, uh, Darwin's law. It it you know you, you assume the lines are going to get better, and actually the injury toll seems to be pretty minimal. And the All Blacks have an injury toll. It looks like Ryan Crotty and Ben Smith both going to be out, which presents some some difficulties in their back line. I I think the lines have got to keep doing what, what they're doing, and and just hope that they can take their chance a bit better. I mean, I think it was. Elliot Daly, who you know got held up in the, in the early minutes, and they had another couple of chances to cross the line. And I think if they can get that self belief, and and I agree with JB in that in that Warburton probably has to come in and and uh, at probably the expense of Omani. But if they can if they can get that physicality uh, into their game a little bit more and uh, make a few early early plays and and a few big hits stick early, I think they can really turn the t- turn the tables. And the scoreline was a little bit misleading in the All Blacks' favour. I still think, I mean, obviously they'll come in as strong favourites, but I think the Lions have a much better chance this game. And I think um, if they we're very close in in game one, and I think not not much has to change for the, for the, for them to to get even closer and maybe even win game two. And actually, that's probably what I'm going to be cheering for. As much as I was cheering for the All Blacks in game one, and uh, I I hate to cheer for Warren Gatland. God, how good would a game three decider game be? You know, uh, in in this. Who would you want? Out out the two most unlikable coaches in the world, <laughs> Hanson and Gatland. <laughs> how how did he choose between the two? I mean, I can yeah, choose because I obviously. I'm from the UK, but for you to choose, that's heartbreaking. <laughs> it's very tough. It's very tough. Because actually, you know, I, I, Matt might argue me on this, but I think a lot of the All Blacks players are kind of likable. Um, but Hanson yeah. is, is the worst. Hanson is terrible. Yeah. Hanson, Hanson, he really is. Oh. Hands down, the most unlikable but, man in rugby. No, we spoke, didn't we, last week about mind games. Mm. And uh, I'm, <laughs> this, this is my conspiracy theory. But I wonder if, if Hansen said to, said to his players at half-time, like, look, guys, if you can beat these guys using Warren Gatlin's tactics, i.e. this Warren ball, but just a little bit better, that would be great. And, that, and that's why they did it. <laughs> yeah. Just, just to spite yeah. him, really. 
<laughs> just for some artistic uh, flair. Um, just to yeah, and then he sent him a text straight after the game. I can see it happening. <laughs> How'd you like that, Warren Ball? Um, now, mate, where, where were you watching it? Because I'm, I'm trying to get... Um, I'm not sure if I got things mixed up, but were, were you on tour or something? Uh, I was on a stag weekend yeah. in Barcelona. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we managed to find an Irish pub there because, you know, they're, they're, they're everywhere. Uh, but, yeah, it's good, actually. Quite a good rugby scene out in Barcelona. Certainly a lot of rugby fans. Cool. And, and so, because uh, I, I, I need to remember you lining up some horrific drink list um, that you, you guys had got through. So what, what sort of combos were you guys throwing down? <laughs> uh, yes, it was it. It was fairly horrific, but I'm sorry, I'm sorry, mate. What goes on tour stays on tour, and, and that's the way it's going to be. Good, very good. You, the, the international rule. Um, all right, mate. Well, look, yeah. it's great to have you on. I mean, look, do you want to give it a prediction? What do you reckon? What, what do you reckon is going to happen this weekend? Okay, so I'll give you two. I'll give you what I hope's going to happen, mm. right? And I think that's going to be a Lions win. I'm going to go a Lions win again by four. But what do I really think is going to happen? I think it'll probably be close to it'll be it'll be close to being over about forty minutes in. It won't be completely over. There'll be a little glimmer of hope, mm. and it's a hope that'll kill us. And uh, yeah, that, that's what's going to happen. And I think I think we might see more of the same from the All Blacks, followed in the second half by something a lot different. I think they I think they're really going to open up. Okay. But we'll see. We will see. Yeah. You, we won't play the game, mate. I think um, I can't really argue against those. Hugh, what do you reckon is going to happen, mate? Oh, I just have a feeling that this game is going to be closer. Mm. I'm not sure that the Lions team ultimately has the self-belief to beat the All Blacks, but I think this game will be come down to less than a score. Mm. Um, and Ooh. look, if I, if I had to tip, I'll tip the All Blacks. But I think just taking it out of Eden Park too, you've got to, you can't forget how good the All Blacks are at Eden Park and how how much of a natural advantage that gives them. Taking it out of Eden Park, um, a few injuries in that back line, I, I think that the Lions have, will, will come away with a little bit more than what we think from that game one. And I think, um, look, I think the All Blacks will win, but I think it'll be by three or four. Mm, well, how good sure. would it be if, the, if we, you know, we had it in the balance and uh, actually managed to get a bit of mental pressure on the All Blacks in game three? That would be amazing. Um, uh, now, please, just before I go... I've, I've just got another question for you. Mm. I just want to see if you know. Oh, yes, go. Ahead. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, since on tour, right? There's obviously been a, a lot of hackers, and that's happened. It's a, I think we're running about fifteen a day at the moment. But the only thing which has really started to happen is: Have you noticed the cultural gifts? Oh yes, the the the, the sword. You got the sword, didn't you, from the Highlanders? <laughs> And there was the feathers yeah. tonight or something. <laughs> yeah, so Kiwi culture is complete, completely baffling. Sam Warburton has received a wooden axe. He's received a tribal spear. Today he received a, a, a cloak of feathers. And I kind of get, get all that. I kind of get the kind of cultural uh, significance of those objects to, you know, New Zealand culture. Can anyone explain to me, right, why on earth they gave him a Scottish sword, a Scottish claymore sword? <laughs> well, I mean, they're the Highlanders, I suppose. I wonder if it's just a name thing, you know. Uh, yeah, but, like, the Highlanders and therefore something Scottish. Because the... Um, I mean, I mean for, for a country that bang on about culture over and over again, one of their teams called the Highlanders. Well, that's no good. You know what I call... And the other one is the... And the other one is the Crusaders. So, I mean... Did, did the New Zealanders go on a crusade? I don't remember that. Did they wear chain mail? Yes, to the Pacific Islands. That's where they got all their players. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> all, all in their chain mail. Unbelievable, unbelievable, unbelievable hypocrisy. <laughs> anyway, mate, it sounds like someone wants to take your, your meeting room. Um, so we've yeah, they, yeah, they do. <laughs> we've actually got clients here now. Oh, they get in the way, those bloody clients. Mate, great to have you yep. on. Good luck this weekend. We hope it goes the right way. All right, boys, take care. See you, mate. There we go. Always good to have uh, JB on. He can um, get the tea and biscuits out and w welcome the clients. Um, so now it's just you and me, Hugh. Um, everyone else is kind of, you know, buggered off. Yeah. Week. 
Well, we've ditched Reg, and I think we're probably going to be better for it. I mean, um, so which I suppose gets us back to our main topic. Geez, that 2014 Super Rugby final. I tell you what, that was I a mean, cracker. That's I really, really, that was I, mean, I was there. I was, I was right behind well, the goalposts. Saw it all go. Yeah, when over. JB brought up when JB brought up the best tries of all time in relation to that Lions game, I thought <laughs> I can tell you a few of my own. And that one, you know, Curly Beal, uh, Adam Ashley Cooper's two in that Super Rugby final certainly rank up there. They do indeed. Yeah, they're, they're probably the two in front of that one we saw from the Lions on the weekend. <laughs> um, mate, right, let's get into our other questions, which everyone's dying to know. Everyone's just dying to talk about Wallabies rugby at the moment. It's just um, oh. the talk of the town. Um, so, our third question. Did the Wallabies deserve to beat Italy? Interesting question, that one. Mate, what's your take? Oh, look, I think they did. And, and it, it was a funny sort of game. I mean, as a bit of background, I was, I was down in Melbourne um, with, with some friends and, and when it came time for the Wallabies to, to game to roll around, I was trying to find a pub with them to go and watch it. And, and, and actually, um, this is sort of an in, in indication as to the place of of rugby down there, couldn't find, couldn't find it. Um, and so I ended up sitting and watching the Collingwood game or whatever was on at the time and following it on my phone and, and you know, sort of resigned to that fact. That said, by the time 5.30 came around, all the TVs were on the lines and there was, you know, a lot of Kiwis and sort of Poms in the place that had come for, for that game. So, I mean, it just shows you where where the Wallabies are in the... In the, in, in, in the uh, sort of uh, thinking of Melbourne rugby fans because it seemed like no one really cared about that game but the Lions... Well, I can tell you what the Wallabies are. They're, they're struggling to beat whatever they are, 12th or 15th in the world. <laughs> struggling, God. Uh, and the funny thing was, at two points of the game, both after, I think it was the... probably about... after about 15, 20 minutes, and then 10 minutes into the second half, I thought, we're going to put 50 on these guys. Mm. You know, we, we just went bang, bang. And when Falau and Naivali scored those two early tries, and then at the start of the second half, when I think it was, you know, 28-13 or something, and you thought, okay, great, you know, that we've they've put up a spirited challenge to the Italians, now we can, you know, put the foot down, score a couple of tries, and, and really put this game to bed. And, and we just didn't. Mm. You know, we just made stupid errors and let them into the game. But same, exactly the same thing we did to Scotland. And, and you know, Italy aren't that good. And they weren't that good. No. Yeah, they had some moments where, where they, you know, their first try was certainly a pretty well-constructed try. And the cross kick was nice. And, you know, they, they did a few good things. But, I mean, in no way did they deserve to win that game. And, you know, it was pleasing that we got it done in the end. But, Jesus Christ, didn't we make hard work of it? It's well, just... It's just so self-inflicted, isn't it? In, in, in considering their second try got disallowed, <laughs> yeah, um, which you'd have to say, I, I don't know, it was line ball. If anything, I would have thought probably should have been given to rather than given against. Um, yeah, I, look, I, it's, I commented on Twitter how someone had written it up, um, I think on, I think it was Fox Sports, sort of saying, yeah, Wallabies cruise past... Italy or something. I was like, "Watch get what game did you watch?" Um, yeah, that was bloody hard work. Um, you know, far harder work than it ever should have been. Um, we just seem to have that ability at the moment. It's just to turn whoever we're playing just just make it hard. Um, almost doesn't matter how they're playing or how we're playing, but we will make turn that into a really hard match. Um, and it just yeah, it really, really, really struggled. Um, the whole way, you know. Well, it wasn't like you say; it wasn't the whole way through. But you know, with that, when it what was it five minutes to go, and you know, up by only one yeah, point. Yeah, twenty-eight, twenty-seven. Oh, yeah, that that was a shocker, and you could just feel it going the wrong way. And I think you could see it written on their faces as well. Until obviously, um, you're you're my favourite uh, number ten, five eight stood up there, um, and and, oh. went, and went through the line. The ice man. Yeah. <laughs> the well, ice. He had a. God, he had a shocker. I mean, he had a shocker of a first half. So did I mean Genia? Uh, I've got. I'm down on Genia now. He had. He was. I think he was our Green Girl Player of the Year last year. And I mean, I, I don't know what. Obviously, France hasn't treated him particularly well. I mean, if I were Michael Checker, I'd have him up doing Sandhills for the next two weeks. He he's just behind the pace. No other way of putting it. I mean, and and the fact that he has to play. 75 to 80 minutes of every game is a pretty damning indictment on our half-pack stocks. Because, I mean, that... He's just... that When he made that break late in the game and threw that horrible pass in the touch, I mean, it just summed up everything about where he is at the moment. Yeah. Just, just 
you know, his instincts are there, but he just doesn't have the skill to execute it. And, and you know, broadly speaking, some of the Wallabies attack, you know, it reminds me of like a, a year seven band trying to play Led Zeppelin or something, you know, like <laughs> they, 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 they're trying to do things that they don't have the skill to do. Yeah. And so Stephen Moore's trying to throw cutout passes, and you know Rory Arnold's in the back line trying to throw passes, and and we're, we're just trying to play this game where we're we're razzle dazzling people, and we're you know doing all these amazing funky tricks, and and we just don't don't have the skill to pull it off. And then you see the All Blacks, you know, come afterwards, and and you know the amount of times that they're just attacking near the ruck, one out, pick and go, you know, and they're mixing their attack up, but they're not doing anything that's radically. Um, amazing in terms of their attacking structure and it just looks so easy with them where with us i don't know it it just looks so hard doesn't it but there's some stuff in there's some stuff in like checkers decision making i just don't get so bernard foley for all the Iceman and you and i cooing over him we will both admit he has a shocking kick to touch at the moment um it's all over the shop he either goes for distance and misses or he chews off about 10 meters and, you know, you look at that, like, there are times when he was kicking from, like, you know, outside the 22, and he's barely making it to the halfway line. And you're like, you know, we, we're now, we're like, we're in our own territory still. It's like, we just cannot get out of our half, um, even when it's a penalty kick. Um, and you take that versus, you know, basically any of the other major nations. And, you know, like, you know, you get, you know, someone is given a penalty kick, you know, anywhere around their 30 or 40 metre line, and you'll be in your 22, you know, defending, and there's a scoring chance, whereas we're still in our own half. Um, it's absolutely criminal. And as somebody said, you know, you've got both uh, Carmichael Hunt and Dane Haylett Petty's got a howitzer, um, you know, or you bring on uh, what the, 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 the young kid, the, the centre, who scored the final try, um, I'm trying to remember his name now, Reese Hodge. Oh, and, and he's got an absolute cannon as well. And we're doing pop guns to the sideline. There's, I mean, that's just indefensible. I don't know. And I'm, you know, it's like, does someone have to tap checker on the shoulder? And go, uh, mate, look, he can still be ten. He just doesn't have to take this, the kicks to touch, um, or at least the kicks to touch on the right side of the field. I mean, this is just the basic stuff. And then, as you said, they keep doing things wrong. So, like, if you look through the stats of the game. Um, all the stats flow our way. So, you know, in attack, you know, six tries to three, 458 metres to 218, um, 22 defenders beaten to 10, 12 clean breaks to six, nine offloads to four, but then 19 turnovers to 12. Um, you know, and that's it, right? You know, that's our classic. It's just turnovers, drop ball, mistakes, um, mistouch, this sort of stuff, it's just absolutely, it's just a killer. And it just makes it impossible to watch. We just kind of, you know, just, just want to shoot yourself. It was like that bit when Falau threw that stupid bloody pass, um, this, uh, line out. You know that quick line out? Yeah, uh, well, that was one of the most maddeningly stupid things I've ever seen. Oh, my God. And then it, then it you know, hit Foley and then he knocked it on. And I was just like, oh, that was probably the best outcome from that. <laughs> you know, yeah. that it wasn't another try. Um, and it, you know, as I was chatting with a mate about it tonight, actually, and and um, you know, was like, you could see all the players were sort of going, "No, no, no!" Is he no? <laughs> and he still threw it anyway. You know, yeah. sort of almost happened in slow motion. It, it was, it was, uh, it was one of those strange sort of games, and and. You know, the sad thing is, you know, when they put it together for those 10-minute stretches and actually that last five minutes when they pulled their finger out and actually worked out that holding the ball for a repeated period of phases might actually work, mm. um, you know, they, they look okay, you know. Mm. It's just it's this... that They don't have the skill level to play with what they're trying to do and, and, and so we can't hold the ball for more than three or four phases, you know, because... Or, or, you know, you watch the way that the All... Again, keep, keep coming back to it, but the way that the All Blacks play, and they're just so patient. And yet, look, they might get caught behind the game line on one or two phases, and they might go backwards, but then they'll go forwards again, and then they'll... they'll they won't, you know, use that as a... As, they won't then sort of fling the ball wide madly. They'll, they'll sort of recalibrate, and they'll go again. And that's sort of patience and, and, and 
you know, focus on just the basics of getting men behind the ball. It's, it's what they do so well. I don't know. And, and look, I will have a great opportunity to see them do it again in the blood as, though, as we watch them rack up a big score against us. So yeah, oh my God. I mean, yeah, it was just like I say, the blood sport last weekend was to imagine the Wallabies playing either of those two teams. Um, that was, you know, that was just, you know, it's all over Red Rover. Um, you know, the bit I've got to say, well, look, this... Um, Let's move on to the, the question four then, which is, you know, how do you grade the June series? <laughs> how do you grade it? Um, give it a shot, mate. Yeah. F. It's an F. It, it just is. I mean, yeah. I'm one for, for opt- optimism always, as you know. And, and look, I try and, try and look on the, the positives of, of things. But three wins, you know, remember we spoke about it earlier in the year and when this series was looming and, and, you know, it was looming as three pretty easy wins. And, you know, three wins was a non-negotiable. I'm sorry, you know, to get the momentum going into the All Blacks, to get the momentum going into the Rugby Championship, I mean, we just needed to win all three of these games. And to, to win two is, is a fail. Um, not to mention the fact that, you know, Fiji was okay, but, you know, the Scotland game was so disappointing. And then to back it up with an Italy game that, you know, was a win in really only, you know, the the, the narrowest possible terms, it... it, it it's it's a fail. It just you know we we exposed that so many of our players now in key positions are just off the pace, and that counts for probably most of the forward pack, and then you know a couple of our backs as well. But gee, that that um, it, it's it's pretty heartbreaking considering three good wins and, and we're going into the All Blacks regardless of whether that confidence might have been um, false confidence. But um, you know, to, to go in three and zero would have been a, a nice little boost for for the home fans and for the players. And now, you know, it's all shot to pieces, really, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I tell you what, though. So, you, you, I'll give this, an, you know, you give it an F, and you can talk about the players, but I reckon, yeah, Checker has to have a good long look at himself. Did a good little PR stunt last week. Um, you know, it was a bit of mental mind games that was supposed to be for the team. Um, you know, he loves putting sort of symbols up for the team to kind of get them fired up. He did it with the Tars every year at a different symbol. If you if you walked um, up the walkway um, towards the, 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 the ground um, in the Tars, in, in home ground, you know, they, he had year after year, he just had a different board where he put a different mental picture up. And, you know, last week for the Wallabies, it was supposed to be Jack Quigley's email, right? That was supposed to get them all fired up and... You know that took the sting out of it a bit and gave them all a talking point, and all of a sudden it was like, oh look, you know, you know, um, checks given the guy an actual phone call. Isn't that amazing? And oh, what is it? Oh, it's that they're unfit. That's all it is. It's just fitness. Well, here's the thing, right? I mean, you, you know, check. You've got the off season, mate. You know, and all these people, each of these uh, clubs or the franchises is measuring their players. Get in there and look at the data, and don't tell me that they tell you no because. We're you know decentralized system. That's bollocks, right? You can get in there if you if you need to, and if you can't, well then, geez, we've got bigger problems. But I can't believe if the Wallabies coach came around and said, "Hey guys, can we just have a look at the you know your S and C data to see how things are going," um, or even just watched them in training, and you couldn't walk away and go, "We're going to be in trouble. We need to do something about this." Telling me now when we're you know X weeks you know we've just blown a June Test series we've only got a few weeks to go until we're about to be hammered by the All Blacks that's just not good enough and then blaming a system the system's not right we need to centralise everything um, you know if you need to I mean that's where you pull pulver and you wage a bit of a public uh, relations war saying our guys aren't fit enough I need to see stuff you don't come in with that now that's just not good enough right that's just not you haven't done your job to go and make sure that the wallabies when they come through because you know if they're not you're blown so if you think it's that important get it done it's just not good enough to say oh i'm sorry they gave me the players in the wrong condition and i need to have it all centralized if i'm ever going to make it work if someone in my work came to me with that i would be mightily pissed off so that is massive f for checker and then the next bit is like we're, we're just seeing you know, it's it's not it's not all fitness. Um, I do agree that fitness makes a massive impact on being able to play with accuracy and all the rest of it. But it's just it's like game plan stuff. Like we just talked about the foley kick, like who kicks to touch. Very sim- simple thing. I mean, you know, in a subbies 
um, team, you'd figure that out. It doesn't have to be the 10 if he hasn't got the best boot. It's always been the same. Why it still is, I don't understand. The next bit is exiting. How do you exit? If you haven't got someone with the boot, how are you going to do it? How, you know. But these kind of poor mid-range bomb box kicks from Genia or poor downfield things from uh, from Foley where there's no chase, which then has the opposition with the ball back in our half after we've just tried to exit and we just spend match after match after match playing like that. I just, I can't get my head around it. Absolutely can't get my head around it. And then we go and get dished up in the scrum. So, you know, if, if you, I, yeah, ready to, you know, just, I it, it beggars belief. And I'm afraid you know, I'm not trying to go Jack quickly on it, so I'm not saying people have pulled a Hartledge. I just think it's... <laughs> you just have. Uh, <laughs> well, no, I'm, I'm actually saying... I'm, I guess where he had gone was that it wasn't about players caring, um, which I think, you know, everyone backpedaled on and said, look, I think they do. Um, but, you know, I, I don't think... And, you know, I don't think they're being put in the right place. And here's the thing. I bumped into somebody... Um, you know, a mate of your and mine actually, um, just out on the streets of, of, of Mossman, as it happened to be the other day. And um, we were having a yarn and we were sort of saying, you know, how good would it be to see Link back? You know, somebody who can actually play more than one style of footy and, you know, who could probably, who could grind out a win when we needed to um, sort of thing. You know, it, it was kind of play that mental mind game for a minute, right? You know, despite all the water under the bridge. Wouldn't it be good to have somebody who could actually have a plan B? Yeah, I mean, I, I think you raised a number of valid points there, and, and the fitness one does strike me too. Well, you know, check and look, you know, check has alluded to it a few times. They're not fit enough. Well, what are you doing in January? You know, the system is currently set up where you, know, you we, we sort of say goodbye to the Wallaby players in November. They then go to Super Preseason and front up in February when the first round is. So they've got a month or two there where you know, presumably they go off on holidays, come back in this a preseason fitness program now. You know, Nathan Gray is the Wallabies defence coach. He works at the Waratahs. Stephen Larkin is the Wallabies attacks coach. He, he coaches the Brumbies. So, you know, this whole thing of, well, it's the super rugby clubs have really got to present to me the players in better condition. Well, I'm sorry, mate, but your coaches are the ones that are the ones that are doing it. Yeah. You know, not to mention the fact that, you know, when all this super rugby preseason is taking place, you're presumably around Australia as well. Um, so it's all, it's all, yeah, I, I agree with you there, Matt, you, you, you did, you did on the money. I mean, I mean, let's pivot positive though. I mean, we, the, the ranting aside, a, a couple of positives. Yeah, go on. Um, Carmichael Hunt. Yeah, um, I'm with you. You know, hasn't he been a discovery? Yeah. I mean, that's solid Amen, pa- that, that bullet pass he, he, he threw to Israel Folau to set that try was, was something that was really special and, and to, Couple that with some of his hits in defence, and he's just general game awareness. I mean, he looks like a long-term wallaby to me. And in a position where at twelve we've sort of, you know, struggled for consistency, and and you know we've had Matt Giddo, uh come back, and we've had Reese Hodge, and we've had you know Kurtley Beal, and a few other different people slotting in there. Hopefully, we can maybe find some some long-term continuity. And have Foley and Hunters out ten twelve moving into the next World Cup because that's um. That's a, a, a little nexus there that we haven't had stability in a long, long time. Mm, I know that's really interesting. Oh, look, I just love the guy's work rate um, and just the way he got about it. I mean, you know, he's still got a f- still kind of uh, lacking a few of those rugby skills around the breakdown. But you know, um, GC throws himself into it. Uh, he's always there. You know, always trying. You don't see him. You know, you never see him pull a hard in defence. He's always, you know, he's putting some big hits in as well. Um, yeah, I think he absolutely shone. Um, you know, and then uh, obviously our second row hero has come through. Uh, you know, this series looking absolutely the goods, hasn't he, old Coleman? Oh, hasn't he just? I mean, can't we? We need to inject the other seven forwards with whatever he has in him because it's just remarkable. His his work rate and his accuracy in defence is something staggering and his stats are remarkable. But also the the way that he can consistently get over the game line and attack, even in the dying minutes of the game, is, is also laudable. I mean, and, and look, you know, we can point plenty of fingers at people that have made mistakes this series, but really he hasn't. And that's, that's something that's special. The other guy I'll, 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 have, I'll mention because... You know, we we don't mention him enough. I don't think for for how good he is. It was great to see him back in form. But Israel Folau, yeah, uh, you so know, he has been a real three tests. 
yeah, I mean, that's just... Um, we, we Again, we've, we've become numb to what he can do. But, I mean, he has, you know, again, just been, just been staggeringly good. Mm. And, you know, he's probably still that World 15-level player. Um, you know, he's, he's had, 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 was probably had a bit of a lull in the back half of last year. Um, but, you know, it's good to see him find that form and that, that um, nose for the trial line and that ability to break the first tackle and that, uh, that high ball ability, which is fantastic too. I mean, he is a, a really remarkable player. And, and, you know, the back line, we've actually got a kind of a, a good problem with, with Kirtley Beal um, set to come back. And, and, you know, you wonder where you put Kirtley, actually. Do you, do you um, put him on the wing or do you put him... At fullback and move Israel. I mean, or do you put him on the bench? It's uh, mm. it's an interesting conundrum for Michael Checker. Yeah. I mean, he's great. He's great uh, cover, isn't he? He pretty much covers your whole back line. That's the beauty of Kirby. he is. He is. So look, we've got that coming back, which will be nice. And and yeah, I just think the forwards are a, a, a real worry. And and the two positions where we see the All Blacks doing so well in the Springboks, even uh, at hooker with three. The three keys for me are hooker, second row, uh, hooker. Sorry. Uh, blindside and, and number eight, and we just struggle in that back row. I mean, Hannigan and Higginbotham and Tamani all, you know, they they they're all okay. Um, they're all five to six out of ten level international players, but we just don't have anyone that that really sets the world alight in those positions with any range of physicality and skill like what a Kieran Reed has or a Jerome Cannon or God help us, the bloke that I'd love to draft in is Amanaki Mafi from the Rebels in Japan. I mean, God, just watching him week to week has shown me everything that a number eight can be. Mm. And the fact that we don't have anything close to that at the moment is, is pretty worrying. Yeah, look, I mean, I think you're right. So, so you know, Hannigan, I think, is a couple of years off. <laughs> Being sort of the test player that he could be. I mean, you know, he's still a young. You like his you like his attitude though. If yeah. we could put his attitude in into um, you know, into the body of some of our other forwards, then you know, we're we're on the way there because I love his 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 hunger and his you know, even his skill level is pretty good too. But um, he just you just feel like he just doesn't make that physical impact. Yeah, I'm just trying to think through any other tars we haven't complimented yet. Oh, by the way, what about um, Sefer, Super Sefer's pace? How good was that to see a Wallaby wing absolutely just tear up with some pace? I haven't seen that for a while. It was it was fantastic, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. And, I mean, the, the tragedy of it is, is is he, he ended up, you know, hobbling off with a syndesmosis, oh, which, you know, some... You, you, he's out for now six to eight weeks, but yeah, look, one last one on, on again, gripes, but looking towards the All Blacks, I mean, uh, uh, and, and complimenting Tars, which ticks all of our boxes for today, yeah. the, the guy who I think deserves a shot now is Tolu Latu, and I've been critical of Tolu, his discipline is, you know, he, he makes some harebrained decisions, um, he does some really stupid things, but God, I'd much rather that and a bit of the wherewithal that he has and some of the skill that he has, rather than watching more and even Tatafu. Just I don't know, just the mediocrity. Yeah, the mediocrity for eighty minutes. Like I love Taf too, but they're just not giving us anything. Like I I don't understand, and I'd much rather Tolu, who at least gets over the ball and can take a pill for or do something in you know skillful in attack. Then, then, and yeah, he might give away three penalties or something. But God, I guess especially against the All Blacks, we've got nothing to lose. God, throw him in there because Stephen Moore is just a, a, a caricature of what he used to be. It's it's a bit sad. Someone's got to put that compilation of him falling over um, throughout the <laughs> tests because he does it with alarming regularity um, in, in the way that works. But look, you know, last gripe there is, and the thing that's pretty worrying. I mean, we we did touch on it a little bit there. Is like so. Who is now our number nine? You know, that was three tests that we had that you would have thought, you know, going into that, we would have thought, right, by the end of that, so if Phipps isn't playing, because you know, he's got an injury, right, um, surely by the end of that, we'll have a better understanding whether Powell can stand up or whether Jake Gordon's going to have a shot or something, right? And all, yeah. we, all we know now is that the whole farm is clearly bet on Will Genia coming good. Um, and it, and playing seventy five minutes, even when he gives, when he absolutely gives the game away, like he did against Scotland. Um, yeah, that, oh. that is a super super big worry. Um, you know, we better hope that he, he does come good. But and what rugby is he going to play between now and between now and the All Blacks? I guess he's not. Well, 
I mean, I think I think it's a nice caveat to our next question because honestly, I mean, I've posed this hypothetical, but if you're Michael Checker and if you're the Australian Super Rugby teams, um, you know, do we just warehouse all of our Wallabies and send them up? We go back up to Caloundra or Camp Wallaby and we flog them, flog them doing fitness for the next three weeks because God knows what they're going to achieve going back and playing for Super Rugby sides and just sort of. Um, running out the clock on the season that from hell that they're all having. I mean, okay, maybe the Brumbies go back and let them have a shot at the finals, obviously, but everyone else, let's 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 just let's you know get them fit. Actually, let's actually. I mean, the Super Rugby season's dead, buried, and cremated. So let's throw that away and actually focus on the fact that we might try and steal a win in one of these tests in 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 the in in the winter because God knows it's it's all we can really achieve from now. Yeah, well, with the force of the rebels. I mean, I just kind of like you know, I'm just kind of wondering who are these people who are really you know like super unfit. I actually thought that the force uh, as a team played relatively fit i mean you know they it was all about you know uh, alignment and attack and defense didn't have a whole lot of superstars but yeah but they've only got two pl- i mean it's only coleman and Hallett petty though they've right got, oh, and what are now and, but, then, I mean, and then how many rebels and how many rebels we got if, if, if i mean there's there almost aren't any right you got no, like reese hodge on the bench tamani um right so the rest of them then there, you know, um, okay, no, so then you got, you know, a few of the Reds. Um, that's a little bit of struggle street, but there's not that many of them either. I mean, it's all Waratahs and Brumbies. So, like, it's the Waratahs forwards, it's Tom Robertson and Sokopi Kepu. Um, I think Rory Arnold clearly struggles. He's a big unit, but he does struggle with his fitness. And, and I think, um, you know, they're, they're the sort of, I mean, God, I was watching footage from training and Buddy Checker was legging Kepu in the, fi- in the running. I mean, that. <laughs> That's prob- you know, but yet he scores a length of the field try against um, the, for the Waratahs. So, well, oh, more, more, more looks, more looks knackered as well. He, he's, he's oh, Horn, you know, oh, more, more just looks like more. All of a sudden, looks like he's forty-five, doesn't he? Mm. Yeah, he lumbers. You know, can you see him doing what Cody Taylor did to score that try <laughs> against the Lions of picking a ball up off his toes and scooting? You know, in the corner of the score. Not in a million years is Stephen Moore doing that. No, unbelievable. Um, the ball cannons off his legs, and he fu- and he falls over in hilarious fashion, and, <laughs> and the lines run the other way. <laughs> so what we're saying is, uh, the thing that we would look forward to watching uh, for, for the remaining rounds of Super Rugby is basically an intense fitness camp. Just televise it on Fox. Yeah, uh, just televise, televise, t- televise. Yeah, and or maybe. Well, don't, maybe sell tickets to it. We do Mossman, go run up a Waba Street Mossman or the Coogee Steps or, you know, so go take it take it to each of the capital cities and say, you know, the Wallabies are, you know, close the road, the Wallabies are doing hill sprints for three hours and you can come and watch Sokopi Kepi spew his guts out. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, I, you, I think you'd get some tickets to that. For a minute, I thought you, you were talking about the two capitals, Mossman and Coogee, um, Australian <laughs> rugby. Um Oh, jeez. Yeah, we're not making any fun fun tonight. We, any friend tonight. We really needed uh, Reg here to try and keep us on the, the straight and narrow. Well, we, you know, we, we need to get one of Sparrow Zarvis' emails from the <laughs> ARU. Did you, have you seen that? <laughs> I saw his apology today. What an utter debacle. <laughs> Guys, anyone listening out there, just the rule that we should always follow, and I don't know why people still don't, is never, ever, ever read Spyro Zarvis because the man <laughs> is a more... Um, to put it bluntly, uh, I don't know if that's maybe I'm overstepping it slightly, but he is Apologies off the reservation, and this is on the website. <laughs> yeah, is that defamation? I don't know. I mean, luckily no one listens to this late in the podcast, so we're all, we're all in the clear. You know what? But I, it, I, yeah, luckily uh, cut out just as you said uh, whatever you were going to say. Oh, really? I think you I said he's a misguided. I apologise. That, that was probably a bit harsh, but I apologise. But yeah, he uh, just don't. He's he's not much like Stephen Moore. I think his best years are behind him. So I didn't actually read the original thing that he had to apologise for because was it the whole thing was that he thought he had an email purporting to show who the AOU thought their en- enemies were, wasn't it? Yeah, it was sort of like the AOU divided everyone in the community into sort of their enemies or their friends and and were basing all their decision making on this this list of enemies <laughs> and friends. I think it's uh, yeah, uh, God. 
Uh, well, I think the ARU... Uh, we're tapping off a superb couple of weeks in Australian rugby. But anyway, people, um, you know, how depressing it is that, you know, we have to look forward to the next Lions versus All Blacks game for a bit of decent rugby. Yeah, but, I mean, you know what? It's got people talking. I mean, mm. and it just shows you when, uh, for all the um, woe about our code, when it's played well, and it doesn't matter who's playing it, that but people tune in, and it, it was the talk, you know, I, I'd love to see the, the ratings and that sort of thing, and that Melbourne experience just showed it. People were watching it in the pub, and they, you know, were even those that weren't really big into rugby and the people of the people I was with, um, they, they were drawn to it and, and you know, you won't see it played much better than that, I've got to say. It, it was pretty yeah. amazing. And I just hope the next game can, can be a similar standard. Yeah, well, look, um, just <laughs> to provide some uh, usefulness to our uh, to our listeners, we should probably talk about, you know, what's what's on. Um, is it this weekend? Is it back on? Um, Super Rugby? Super Rugby. Or the Lions. Yeah. Let's the, have a look. Yeah. I think there's only... I think we've got a week off. I think the Saffers right. have a go okay. for a round. Um, because they lost around, this is the debacle of the competition. Yeah. So we've got, yeah, so this week we've got um, the 1st of July, so the Sharks, the Bulls, the Jaguars the, and the Kings, the Chiefs playing the Stormers, and the Lions playing the Sunwolves. So um, that's, uh, those two South African conferences go at it. And then next, um, not this Friday, but next Friday, we've got Reds, Brumbies and Force Rebels, followed by Waratahs, Jaguars. So... Ah, what a what a return to earth! And at least we'll see some Australian teams winning games again, so that'll be fun. Well, I think I'm going to be at that Waratahs Hags, um, which could be an interesting oh. game because um, the, the Hags are pretty crazy. Um, so there you go. If you if you've been wondering what South African rugby looks like, you've got all weekend just to indulge in it, um, catch up, see what you've been missing. I mean, I wouldn't, I couldn't give you, I have absolutely no clue. Um, find out what some of the player names are before um, we uh, we play against them. <laughs> Um, look, mate, it's been good. We didn't think, you know, there's just the two of us and a bit of JB, but I think we've managed to kill an hour there. So um, I, I think we've, I think we've done okay. Good on you. We've Welcome, okay. you know, on the um, you know the, the the blue and blue rugby show um, <laughs> that, that we've managed to pu- punch out. So, but don't worry for all of you swearing um, at your headsets or at, in the car or on the train. I'm sure we'll be able to get some balance back in next week for you but thanks everybody f- for joining downloading let us letting us come into your ears today hugh thanks mate cheers mate till next week okay see everybody <laughs>